about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. be to God. We worship you, Jesus. We exalt you. We magnify your holy name. Glory, you know, uh, a lot of times we're in the middle of a week. You know, it's a Wednesday. It's a busy week, and we have a lot going on. But how beautiful it is when we can always take a moment to acknowledge, to give God acknowledgement. Because whether it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or no matter how you're feeling at the moment or anything like that, God continues to be worthy every single day. And when we woke up today, he still was worthy of our worship, of our praise, of our song, and everything that, that we can offer to him. Um, but you guys can, you know, sit down and everything. Chill out. <sighs> Glory be to God. <clears throat> Um, so this moment, um, I don't know what it looks like to you, but I do want to share with you um, that this moment is something, is very is a very special moment. And while tonight I won't I'll be preaching about my testimony, I'll share with you a very abbreviated version so you can understand why this is special. Um, you know, but very long story short, I grew up in church. I grew up uh, preaching from a young age. Uh, when I was about nine years old, I started preaching um, up to when I was uh, through my teenage years. Um, I was in worship teams. And and I'm saying all this to show you that, you know, I, I grew up loving God, being passionate about God. Everything, everything that I did um, was about God. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of struggles in my teenage years, a lot of guilt, uh, condemnation, a lot of you know, religiosity, the stuff that we tear down here um, is exactly what, you know, what I was going through. And that pulled me that pulled me away from God, you know, and not only did it did it pull me it pulled me from God for a long time. We're talking about 11 years, um, 11 years um, full of we had alcohol addiction. Um, you know, I was smoking drugs and and I was doing all kinds of things. Uh, for a long time, I was a horrible atheist. I didn't I didn't believe in God, um, and I would say even even things that were I wouldn't say blasphemous, but somewhat you know disres- I would say you know borderline disrespectful. I didn't really have a lot of respect for God, which is crazy to think about you know today. Um, but how many of you know that you know no matter where I was, if I was uh, drunk somewhere on some. On some corner, if I was driving drunk, no matter where I was, whatever was going on in my life, you know, who knows, somebody was actually praying for me. Um, my mom was praying for me. My dad was praying for me. My grandparents for uh, were were praying for me. Um, even my wife, who's recording, she was out. She was praying for her future husband. She was praying. She know I know now. She was saying, God, you know, wherever he's at, protect him. Um, and all that kind of comes full circle today. Now that. I mean, I mean, because you guys have seen me, you know, come here and, and grow, but this this really brings everything full circle. Being here right now with um, with my parents here and everything, and I'm and I want to encourage anybody here. Um, if you're if you're a parent and you're you're fighting for a child or you're praying for for a spouse or or anybody, let me tell you that those prayers work. 
Okay, I'm going to encourage you to keep on praying over and over and over again. All right. Um, the Bible says that the word is like a, a, a two edged sword. So don't be afraid to yield it. If you're fighting for somebody, do like my parents did and stand on jo uh, Joshua 24, 15. That says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and stand on Proverbs 22, 6. That says, if you train up a child in the, in, in the way that he should go, that when he gets old, he won't depart from them. And I know that there's times in your lives because I know you're praying for people and it's hard. Uh, because you don't see anything that's not what this is about tonight but this is a miracle that i'm standing here i'm telling you right now there's plenty <laughs> telling you right now there's plenty of times i could be look i could be dead i could be in jail i could have had careers ruined over and over left and right you have you just have no idea this alone is a miracle and for that i give god so much glory and worship and praise and he deserves it all because this is something that only only god can do so my mom's a witness, but I want but I want to encourage everyone else, you know, today. Keep praying, keep fighting. Um, um the prayers work. And um so that that experience and, and coming from that place, you know, kind of just leaves me and a lot of what God's done for a, a lot of us leaves us in a state where we're just kind of grateful, right? You know what I mean? Like Sometimes maybe people, I don't know, maybe non-believers think that we look a little, you know, fanatic-y and don't understand, you know, what it's all about. But it's because they don't understand, you know, when you when you come from a place where, where you're completely lost, when you don't think you have any direction, when you don't think there's no hope for you. And then all of a sudden you find yourself, you know, you fast forward a year and all of a sudden you're happier than you can ever be. And you're married to the most beautiful woman in the world and and you're just living the best life you can. It's a miracle. And and it just leaves us in a state where we just have to give worship to God where we have to give praise to God and sometimes I even wonder you know because I'm a crier I cry all the time so I'm always crying all the time so I wonder like if people think um, I'm sad all the time or something is wrong but you know when when God does something for that you know or like that for you when we really sing that song we sing that here when we sing that he picked me up and he turned me around and he placed my feet on solid ground I cry because because I feel some kind of way when I sing that because that happened in my life because I was going nowhere but now I'm going you know somewhere so praise God for that that song that we sing that that he lift me up he picked me up he he's placed my feet on solid ground reflects psalms 42 and 3 that says he also brought me up out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay and he set my feet upon a rock which we know is jesus and he established my steps and verse 3 says and he has put a new song in my mouth and so that's where it comes from, right? Not only does Jesus, and not only does God come and do these miraculous things in our lives, but not only that, but then it puts you in a state where you can't do nothing but worship. So if it's not clear, we're going to talk about worship tonight. The importance of worship and um, and sort of the power of worship and everything that, that, that comes with it. Lord God. Uh, I want to just thank you tonight for this evening, for this gathering, that we are here, that we can worship you, that we can um, hear from you. Lord, Father God, I pray that every word spoken tonight comes straight from your mouth. Lord, Father God, that I be nothing but a vessel. Use, Lord, Father God, for your glory that you speak, that you that all the seed be sown um, as your will, um, uh, as your will be done, and that you receive all glory, all worship, and all praise for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, let's open up our Bibles to John chapter 4, verse 23, please. 
Glory be to God. So we won't get too much into the story, but, you know, this is uh, from John 4. So Jesus is talking with the Samaritan woman at the well. And there is some discussion about um, sort of like places of worship and this and that. But the verse that most people know and the one I'll read now is John 4, verse 23, which is, But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Okay, so um, the word worship itself is defined as the feeling or expression of reverence and um, adoration for a deity. And of course, we um, there's when it comes to just a walk of life with God and the Bible, there's plenty of things that, you know, to cover. So we talk about praying, prayer. We talk about fasting. We talk about witnessing. There's plenty of things to talk about. But today I just want to bring up um, worship, right? We want to talk about the importance of worship. And the Bible does show us clearly why um, worship is so important. Psalms 100, uh, one, book 100, verse 4 which many people know, says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. So here's, I mean, it's a simple verse that we already know, but we here we see that now, now even when we come into God's presence, you know, worship is the first order of business. When you, when you come into, into his presence, you don't really come empty handed. You come with your gratefulness, with your, with your thankfulness, and it was even um, something kind of like a cultural thing, you know, back then that when you were visiting a, you know, a king, rulers to rulers or just um, subordinate to ruler or something that even then when you were visiting, you would come with gifts. You wouldn't uh, come empty handed. We see examples of this in First uh, Kings chapter 10. The Queen of Sheba visits uh, King Solomon, and there's a long list of like all these gifts that she brought, spices, uh, you know, it's, a, it's just a, a long list. Uh, Matthew chapter 2, uh, you know, it's Christmas time, so this is very uh, appropriate, but in Matthew chapter 2, we see that the wise men bring baby Jesus, gold, uh, frankincense, and, and myrrh. So, you know, we know that Jesus, even as a baby was king. We know Jesus is king, right? Amen. And so that that's kind of the same thing that we do when we come into his presence and that that could be here at church or at your house even when you when when it's you and God. When you come to God, you offer something and and often that's worship. You know what I'm saying? When you're when you're in your house and you come into the presence of God, you're coming to the presence of a king. You give him worship. You give him praise. You give him acknowledgement for who he is. Um, as a matter of fact, even when Jesus is uh, showing us the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, we see that it's actually even the first thing that we read this all the time. And we obviously... We pay attention to your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which is super powerful. Amen, amen, amen. But even right before that, the prayer starts, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. So Jesus, even even, even um, in giving this example, even, even though we seek uh, God's will first, 
before we do anything, we say, God, you're king. God, you are great. We acknowledge the king when we come into his presence. Psalms 22, 3 says, but thou art holy, uh, O thou that inhabits in the praise of Israel. So the Lord also abides in the worship of his people. And there's a lot of things that, that, that are associated with worship. And obviously there's a lot of stories in the Bible and I'm not going to go through all of them in detail because we've read them, we know them, but I am going to ask you at least to put on a little bit of like of a creativity hat. And I feel like it's important that we do that when we, when we are studying the Bible and we're reading through, because sometimes we can be, it could be easy to just say like, okay, they crossed the Red Sea, right? And like, you read it so many times, you just like, they crossed the Red Sea, they crossed the Red Sea, they crossed the Red Sea. But if you were like to read it and then actually try to sit there and strain with your mind to try to picture what it would like to be standing on like dry ground and like looking to your right and there's an actual full wall of like water. And like, I mean, how loud is it? You know, it's got to be rushing and it's windy and there's chariots and there's a bunch of other there's you know how many people are also running through i don't know if they're looking at like a shark or a fish through the water you know so you have all this going on you know all i'm saying is that as we go through and see these examples of worship working in the bible let's just try to put ourselves you know in their shoes like really so in john chapter 11 um we're gonna see how worship precedes miracles and miracles then uh bring God prays. And in John 11, you have the, the death of Lazarus and pretty much, you know, Lazarus has died and, you know, everyone's trying to tell Jesus and everyone's very sad and upset. And Jesus sort of, you know, he's trying to tell them, you know, that everything's okay. But then, you know, they all have like this unbelief. And so in this moment, uh, and, you know, Jesus saying, you know, so where, where is he? And he goes towards there. And I do want to note um, John chapter 11, verse four, well, when he gets the news and it says, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the son of God may be glorified through it. So even before we finish the story, we can see that already in this scenario, not only is everybody crying and Jesus trying to say, you know, everything's okay. He's asleep. He's okay. But he already knows the end goal, right? He knows that at the end of this, this is to to bring glory to God. And then um, you move down the story and, and Lazarus is, is resurrected. And it says in John, uh, I'm sorry, in verse 41, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always heard me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And so in this story um, of Lazarus, we see a sort of uh, this public uh, demonstration before this miracle where Jesus, in front of these people, is giving thanks, um, even though he says, I know you already you already hear me, but because we're uh, but in front of these people, that they can uh, believe that you sent me, he goes and gives this this public display of, of worship. We see something um, also similar happen in John chapter 6. 
uh, when Jesus is feeding the multitudes. Uh, John, you don't have to go to it, but John six eleven says, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So here you have two miracles that take place. They're magnificent and God receives glory, but they're pre- um, we just show examples that where they're preceded by Jesus giving thanks. Um, and, you know, how many know that obviously all miracles in the Bible are outstanding but even most of them require some kind of action like even uh like with moses and the rock you know he either had a well he you know he hits the rock and and water comes out of it or there's always like some kind of action but could you imagine even if 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 you had to put levels and dimensions to it that it's even crazier that here it is like god jesus just says thank you and then you know that's it all of a sudden you know food is multiplying so it's cool that um, not only it just shows you how how powerful worship is, how how uh, you can have a, a moment of worship preceded by something so so powerful. All right, so now we're going to go and see how um, worship can also lead to salvation. In Luke chapter seventeen, we see um, there's a story of ten lepers, and you know Jesus coming to a village, and they're saying, "Jesus, Master." Have mercy on me. And um, Jesus tells them, he says, you know, he show, uh, sends them to show themselves to the priests so that, you know, they can be sort of like verified well and, and be able to go back into like the assemblies and everything. And they go and on the way, while they're going to show themselves to the priests, they're being healed. And the, the story then focuses on only one of them that after he was healed, he goes back to give Jesus praise to give Jesus praise. And when he comes back to Jesus, he prostrates himself before Jesus. And Jesus tells him, your faith has made you well. And uh, some people might be sort of confused about it because then it's like, what was his reward? Like he was, he was special. He came back and gave praise, but they were, they were all healed anyways. But this, this a specific phrase this your faith has made you well is uh, the same one that we find in the story of the bleeding woman excuse me and it's also the one that we find with the with the blind beggar and the word that's being used there is a greek word called sozo which means to preserve or rescue or keep alive which means that in those mo- in these moments of healing not only has these um are these people being like I said, healed, but they're actually being saved. The word means to uh, to be saved. Their faith in these moments has saved them. Worship can also lead to breakthrough. So um, let's take our Bibles to Joshua uh, chapter 6, verse 20. And while you go there, I'll kind of, again, we're just going to go from place to place. And I'm just going to give you the backdrop. We have the people of Israelite, or I'm sorry, of Israel. They've come out of Egypt. They've wandered in the desert already. Moses and Aaron, you know, they've gotten into a little bit of trouble. And so God has told them that they can't go into uh, the promised land. And so now it's kind of they're fading out and Joshua's coming in. He's the he, he's kind of uh, he's the next man up. And. Their next part in their journey, as Joshua takes over the helm, in front of them is this obstacle. It's Jericho. 
and they have to get through Jericho. And in verse, uh, I told you to go to 20, stay at 20. In verse 2, the Lord tells them, see, I have given Jericho into your hands. And then uh, the Lord goes on to give them the instructions. He tells them to go over there, march around the city, do it for six days, once a day. On the seventh day, go around the city seven times. That's 13 times total, by the way. That's, seven, that's 13 times total. They got to go around the city. And on the, and on the seventh day, after the seventh time, have seven priests with seven trumpets. They're going to blow it out loud. All the people are going to shout, and the walls will be coming down. Right? And we're going to go to verse 20, where it says, So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Praise be to God. So and, and some of us in our same lives, you know, we're not we don't have to break through a whole city, obviously, but we have something, something of a stronghold, something of a Jericho, something in our lives, some kind of obstacle in our way. Or, or we're looking forward to some kind of promise. There's some kind of struggle uh, going on with us. And sometimes we don't see anything happening. And we're wondering why. And we're wondering why. And we're wondering why. Or we're complaining to God. Or we're or we're asking and asking and asking and get asking. What we don't realize is that we have this obstacle in front of us, this stronghold, and we're stuck in the portion in our prayer life where we're still circling around the city over and over and over and over again. And and, and there, there's a time for that. But I'm here to tell you that if you're in that fight, if you're facing that obstacle or that stronghold, I'm here to tell you that you're in the seventh day, that you've already went your seventh time around, that it's time to change your posture a little bit. And then it's time for you to give a shout and a praise to God and to see if something might change in your life with that stronghold or that obstacle. Sometimes we see that while we have those strongholds in our lives, while and 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 we got to realize that they're running around exactly what you know they have to to get through that thing that they're that that that's fighting for. It's right there on the other side of the wall, and that's how it is with us. Sometimes that breakthrough is right there on the other side of the wall, but all we have to do is stop doing the running, stop doing the running, stop doing the complaining, stop doing, but just change it, just change it. I, I, I tell you that if we could change a complaint into a praise, it changes the things that are happening in your life. If you were, instead of lifting up a grievance, if we would lift up our hands or lift up a worship instead, I promise you that you start uh, seeing things fall down in your life. And God is interested in in heart posture, and the re and, and the thing is that when we kind of make that change, what's happening that's so important is that you are taking the focus off of you, and you're taking the focus on God, even if it's in the middle of a struggle and an obstacle. Instead of looking at it from how hard it is on you and, and why it's happening to you or anything like that, if in the middle of that moment you would say, you would start thinking about just for whatever reason, God, what can I do for you? God, how can I best serve you right now in this moment? You'll see things change. And Jericho itself wasn't the promised land. The promised land was Canaan. But Jericho was in the way. There's no you know, you can't, there's no way around it. You know, if we're going to get to Canaan, we got to get through Jericho. And that's how those things are in our life. Some things, sometimes we have those strongholds stopping us from some kind of promised land that God has for us. 
And the Bible shows us that with worship, we can destroy those things that are in the way. Um, let's go to Acts chapter 16, verse 25. And here we have another uh, big demonstration of this, which is Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas have gotten in trouble because they've decided to cast out a demon out of a slave girl. And the, um, there were some, the people that, the masters of the slave girl, they would use her to make money because she would, you know, do like the divination and everything. And so they got, when Paul and Silas delivered her, he actually took their profit and they got upset. <laughs> and so they told on them and, and, and got them arrested but first, they got beaten. So imagine that, right? Paul says they got beaten down. Uh, they're in prison, not just in prison, but in the inner, inner prison. They have their feet fastened, and they have a guard especially um, in front of them. Um, but verse 25 reads, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing that the prisoner has fled and that his, and he lost his job and his career's over and everything, he uh, draws his sword and he's about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm for we are all here. And so we see this uh, beautiful demonstration of, again, worship. How strong is it? How powerful is it? Is worship something that, you know, is it just a song? Is it, is it a clap? Is it a rhythm? Is it a one versus three versus do I clap on the one three, the two four? You know, what is worship? Is it just, is it kind of a ritual thing that we, that we do on Sunday? Or is worship something that the Bible clearly shows us is powerful that can actually affect change in our lives and in our walk with God? And not only did, in this case, the worship liberate Paul and Silas, but it liberated everybody. It liberated everybody. And not only that, out of this, that, that prisoner guard, not only was he saved, but his family was, was saved and, and baptized out of this. So we can see that we, when we do worship, um, you know, God moves in the middle of that. Um, if we can look at 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 23. Here we have um, an example of worship and deliverance. We have King David. He has just been anointed by Samuel. And... Right after he gets anointed, he is serving King Saul. And King Saul is being tormented by a spirit that has him depressed and fearful. And we all know about this. Um, but we also know that, of course, interestingly, King David would go over there and he would play his harp. And um, Samuel wouldn't be tormented anymore. We see here um, in verse 23. And so it was whenever the spirit from God was upon Saul that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. Amen. So, again, just show a, a, a night where we could just talk about worship and see that this is not, you know, something that should be pushed to the side, if not something that should be a very important part of our walk and, and, and affects real, real change in our lives. Um, 
and then not only do we see these examples of of, of this happening in the Bible, but in sort of my, you know, my testimony, my walk, you know, coming back from spending 11 years, you know, just so much time away from God, having been adamantly against God. Um, it's, it's really hard coming back. It's like, you know, Zemia uh, actually ended up being the one that witnessed to me. And that's actually why I'm here, you know. I got pulled out of the 11 years through literally meeting Zemi at work and her witnessing to me and bringing me here. And praise God for that. Yeah. Um, But it's hard. You know, obviously, it's, it's a lot of years of a lot of bondage. Now that I know and I understand things a lot more, I understand how much bondage was there and and all the things that I had to be you know delivered from. But at first, it's really interesting. You 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 remember God, you know you. Like I said, I grew up in church. You know, I remembered everything, but that sort of eleven years away kind of actually what made it kind of awkward. Almost like oh, you know, like you know, where do we start? You know, like how do I talk about this? How do I talk about you know what's just happened or whatever? And the biggest thing that I found being a challenge as little by little, I'm just becoming, you know, freer and freer is that I couldn't worship right in the beginning, right in the beginning. When I decided, okay, I'm really going to try to seek God again and try to get back into this. It was a very big struggle to worship. I couldn't get a worship out, you know? Um, but what I could do, and I, I don't know if it was like a hack, if you would, but I, when I was praying, I could say, thank you. I could say thank you. You know, it was hard for it. Really, again, it's hard, and it's hard for for you to fathom with me eleven years and and the whole thing. But it's hard, and you. But I could say thank you, and that's how it started. I could say, you know what? No, no way. Okay, God, thank you. I am. I'm thankful for today. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for that. And I'm telling you that my moments of prayer started changing. I mean, drastically, drastically, drastically. And you really could just feel everything just breaking off of you because then thank you could turn into you know thank you thank you i worship you i praise you and 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 it was a release and it was a break and that was a and that was a big moment for me and that was one of the biggest strides that i was able to make when i was trying to come back to god was through just the simple act of being able to say god uh you know thank you i worship you i praise you i exalt you because those were words absent from my lips for so long it was almost awkward but worship helped me in that moment and worship is useful to make strides in battle i invite you to go to second chronicles chapter 20 and this is one of the most the more literal this uh, i mean this literally is a literal example of worship helping uh people in battle so here we have the a story of King Jehoshaphat. Um, he's the fourth, uh, the fourth king of Judah, or the south side. Uh, he um, started reigning when he was 35 years old, and he is characterized as someone that sought the Lord with all of his heart. And so we find right now he's the king of, of Judah, and you have several nations that are declaring war on them at the same time. So they're kind of in a tough spot. They're kind of in this this spot of despair. Uh, they don't know really what's going to happen. They're hopeless. Uh, you know, they're pretty much about to get destroyed. Um, 
the Bible says that, you know, King Jehoshaphat was scared. And, you know, they cried to the Lord as an emergency. And God speaks through uh, Jehaziel in verses 18 and 19. I'm sorry, uh, starting verse 15. He says, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of his great multitude of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. And you will not need to even fight this battle, but position yourselves, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear, be dismayed tomorrow. Go out against for the Lord is with you. And then um, going down to verse 18 and 19. So that's that's verse 15 and 17. And this happens in a lot of stories of the Bible. It starts off with God giving the promise first. Right. God tells them, you know, go down. You will have this victory and you're going to he says you're going to see them. Let them know it might not even look good for a little bit, but he lets them know that they're going to win. And in verse 18 and 19, we see what the response was. A lot of times in our in our lives, it's important how we respond to things. Verse 18, and Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the, um, the Kohathites and of the children of the Koharites stood up to praise the Lord, to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So in this moment of despair, in this moment where God has promised them that they're going to have victory, but it's still, um, you know, not looking well, the response that they have here is that they worship. Going down to verse 20, uh, 21, and when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who could sing to the Lord and who could praise the uh, beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were and, um and we're saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. So not only that, but the battle plan is we're going to put on, we're going to get our good singers and put them in the front and we're going to go out to battle and how, and, and our battle plan is to have singers worshiping God in front of us. And again, I'm going to remind you they're outnumbered. There's, there's multiple nations coming up against them. And in verse 22, it says, the moment, right? Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated, and they all started killing each other. Praise be to God. So, you know, not only that, but even in our battles, worship could provide our victory. And I'm telling to you, and I'm telling you tonight, and I'm telling you and I'm encouraging you that if you're battling something, if you're going through something like we talked about earlier, if you're fighting for family or if you're just fighting for yourself, if you're depressed, if you're if, if you're struggling with something, if so, with some kind of um, uh, some kind of addiction or some kind of pain or some kind of trauma or whatever it is that you have going on. I'm telling you that worship is a tool that you can use that can bring you your victory. I'm encouraging you to sing in that moment, to praise in that moment, to lift your hands and give God a worship it's not just this thing that we do it's something that can affect the situation that you're in right now i encourage you to be like moses right who uh back in exodus when they were being attacked by the uh by the uh, amalekites and moses and aaron and her were were up on the hill 
and they sent Joshua to go to go fight them. Joshua, who who we just talked about earlier. And when uh, Moses was up on the hill and he had the staff held up high, the Israelites had the advantage during the war. And as his hands got tired, they would start having the disadvantage. And so that's why his, you know, his buddies got up, uh, Aaron and her, and they lifted his arms up and, 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 and as long as the, his arms were up, they were winning. And I'm telling you that if it's the most simple message, use it, use it. Because a lot of times when it comes down to our, you know, to real, real life, a lot of times it feels like, it feels like, and, and we do have all the answers in the word of God. We have everything we need, but sometimes it feels like we don't know what to do. I'm just encouraging you. Worship God. Praise God. Not because it's just fun or just some good idea, but because there's, because it's powerful and there's clear, you know, the Bible shows us over and over again that it can affect what's going on in your life. And so if you want victory, really worship God, praise God. And, and so we see all this, um, you know, all these things that we, that worship is good for. And the last thing I want to talk about is what worship should look like. And, we see that worship should be without abandon and worship is should be independent of others because when you worship God, it's, it's you and God. It's, that's literally what it is. You're worshiping God. Um, and, and that's a intimate fellowship. So what you do when you worship or how you worship, literally the only people that need to be worried about it and interested in that is you and God. Um, in Second Samuel uh, six fourteen, it says, "And David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment." And that's famous because we know that um, you know his wife, you know, wasn't all too thrilled about it. But you know, David really didn't care. Again, David didn't associate his worship with God with his wife and what his wife thought. So he did it. He danced in uh, his priestly garment. Um, worship should be unconditional and independent of circumstances and mark chapter 12 we see the the story about the widow and her mites you know jesus standing in the court and he's you know watching everybody bring money and all the rich people give a lot of money because they got a lot of money and the young lady or the, the not the young lady the old lady she comes i say she young and she comes in and she comes with two mites and jesus just teaches that pretty much that that woman gave more than anyone else there not because of the quantity because they had large quantities but because she didn't have anything you know she gave the last that she that she have and really um that's what worship is about worship is about sacrifice worship is about no matter what's happening you're still giving that and regardless of her situation she gave you know everything she had and it's important, obviously, that we worship at all times. Um, like we said in the beginning, um, God looks for worshipers that worship in spirit and in truth. So that means worship is spiritual, which means that if we're talking about something that's of this world or carnal, it has nothing to do with your worship. It has nothing to, it, it, it shouldn't, um, 
affect your worship. Those scenarios around you here on earth shouldn't affect your worship. We should worship him at all times. And I actually do want to use um, Job as an example, although Job sometimes is more of a, you know, the spirit of Job and stuff like that. You know, when we reference him, it's more of a, it could be a knock, you know, just sort of like we don't want to be, you know, stuck in that in that mindset. We are we are victorious people. We are, you know, we're prosperous. But Job does something absolutely amazing here. And again, just try to think about it. He loses all his possessions, right? He loses all his animals. He loses his home. He loses his family. And that alone, that's a lot to swallow, right? We could spend about an hour in here trying to meditate on it and and, and, and try to, like I even told you, put, put our, you know, put ourselves in his shoes and try to figure that out. But it's hard for us to try to fathom what that kind of pain is like, right? We don't, it's hard for us to fathom, you know, if, if we went home and, and the living room was flooded, how angry we would be, right? Or, uh, so it's hard. But his response is obviously, it really is one of the most powerful things you can read in the Bible. And I want to go to Job 1, verse 20. And it says, then Job arose, tore his robe and shaved his head and he fell to the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked, I came from my my mother's womb and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I couldn't tell you that I would be like Job, to be honest. But it's beautiful. Everything, everything that he had, pretty much. His family's gone. I mean, again, it would be hard. Trust me, it'd take you a while to try to put yourself there. But his response was to give a worship and a praise to God. Psalms 42:11 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance. And my God, like I said, we should worship him at all times. Psalms 34 verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Worship should be, like I said, unconditional. Unconditional. No matter what you're going through, you know, no matter how you you feel, there should always be a worship, you know, in our mouths or in our hearts. It says when we say that, when we say God's looking for people that worship him in spirit and in truth. That means in spirit and truth. That doesn't mean worship me in a good day with a good mood. That doesn't mean I'm looking for worshipers that spirit that, that worship me when it's 95 and sunny outside. Worship me at all times. Worship is a spiritual act. That means, again, all these things from here on this earth that don't, that, that don't pertain to us shouldn't affect our worship um, with God. Um, our worship should be complete. In Genesis 22, we see a great example of Abraham and Isaac, where he's almost sacrifices his own um, son. That is a great example of willing to do anything for God, which is the ultimate worship, sacrifice. Worship to God should be only God's. Exodus uh, verse uh, chapter 20, verse 3 says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. 
And of course, when we read the Old Testament, it's easy to say like, oh, those people are crazy. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't see myself bowing down to like some golden cat thingy that you made, you know, like uh, or, or some kind of shrine. So it's easy to say, you know, back then when people worship other gods before them, it's like, ah, you, you know, that's weird. I wouldn't be able to do that. But it's another time. And, you know, we shouldn't be too quick to judge. And because, you know, and I myself could find myself guilty. You know, we got to ask ourselves of what the modern day idol looks like and whether or not we're worshiping those. So nowadays it doesn't look like a golden calf or anything like that. It looks like a tablet. You know, it might be your tablet or it might be your job or it might be, you know, for me, it might be my football team. Maybe I'm screaming a little too loud for that football team. You know, you know, the preachings for all of us. So, you know, we got to, you know, check what we're worshiping, but it doesn't always have to be a golden calf or anything. But worship should be only for God. Um, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Um, that's the New Living Translation. The New KJV says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so our worship doesn't always only come through what is an actual physical song or our physical applause or our physical playing of instruments or, or, or that. But if not, we are called to give a higher level of worship to God by being uh, living sacrifices and not conforming like, like to the patterns of the world, but being set aside for God. And then lastly, if we can go to Luke chapter 22, In which we'll see what is, I mean, everyone is, is free to argue. But this is one of the greatest, I believe, the greatest um, demonstration of worship. All right. So it's Luke it's chapter 22. It's not so hard for us to put our minds here. We think about this story often enough but it is when they're praying in the garden and we know what's about to happen and this is a a, a scenario which we know is was obviously difficult for jesus um he's about to undertake ridiculous amount of agony for for the forgiveness of our sins he's sweating blood and he's really thinking about this and in verse 42 he says, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Or not, he was asking God pretty much, you know, if if there if if there's a way, if if it doesn't have to be exactly like this, right? But the biggest statement here, the biggest the greatest example of worship is in the second part where he says, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And I can tell you right now that this is the best example that Jesus left us of, of worship, which is full submission. 
And um, that's what we should be encouraged to do in our lives and in everything that we do. Say, nevertheless, not my will, but yours, God, be done. Lord, um, but uh, thank you for this evening. Thank you for your word tonight. We just ask that you water the, uh, the seed that's that's been planted and that we all go home safe and that we just worship you all the time because you're worthy. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Yeah. Yeah.